You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Here we go, episode 16 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy. Brendan, this is the Mitch Marnie episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast. And I just remember that presser so vividly. Like it was just so awkward and, and Marner's reaction from the Maple Leafs. We have Anderson. Mitch Marnie. Anderson's reaction was the best. Oh yeah, he was like, "What is going on with they this?" Just looked lad? at each other. They're like, "What is this guy talking about? Like, yeah. Why does he have press credentials? <laughs> Lead the Maple Leafs Zoom call, and that you're just butchering names out there is a complete disaster. It's not like if yeah, it one was job, like some buddy. weird Russian player. It's not yeah. like it's Ojeganov's first game, and you know you butcher the name. It's like this is a franchise player, yeah, for the Maple Leafs. So just get it right, man. Yeah, and pretty easy to pronounce too. Yeah, Jeez. unreal. Buddy, how lucky are we, man? We got the Masters two tourneys uh, coming five months apart. I mean, I've just been like on the couch. I don't know about you, buddy. You've just been dialed in. On just the, dialed. I was listening dialed. to a little bit of the coverage this morning because uh, they do the Golf Talk Canada show right before right. the Greg Carrasco show on TSN 1050. So I was listening to those guys chatter a little bit. They seem to like Dustin Johnson a lot and what's not to like. I might have a little mention for him a little bit later as far as uh, – library bar is concerned but Ooh. dj is absolutely tearing up augusta i believe he just started off his round with an eagle and two birdies on his first four or five holes unreal play from dj yeah and tiger is uh seven off the lead um looks like the cuts are starting to roll in so our boy tiger should be in the clear but it's going to be a uh, fantastic tournament and i know there's a lot to talk about the menu and the breakfast options i mean it just looks it looks incredible <laughs> man i want to try i think you tweeted about it the other day the pimento cheese sammy man i cannot think of anything that is less appetizing to me than a pimento <laughs> like cheese it, eh? sandwich it sounds disgusting dj like, loves all the sammies he wants it all yeah well, he's a bigger guy you know he's trying to <laughs> he's up uh, he's also probably benching 200 220 yeah probably i don't probably. know maybe Maybe I was around that like before the quarantine, but now I've uh, lost a little muscle mass because I've just been parked on the couch playing NHL. Oh, instead of actually you, instead of actually exercising. You know what? This is and this is for for our listeners as well. The Masters workout it involves a five minute plank, variations of course throughout the five minutes, and you're done. Done. That's it. Back to the couch. I like that. The five minute burner. Yeah, I think just, Ross Levitan, host of uh, Locked On Sense podcast. He tweeted about it like a year ago, and I was like, I'm going to put that in my back pocket. 
because it's effective, man. Really I've worked is. out a couple of times with Ross Levitan. We do the farmer's walks on a, in his gym at his condo. But yeah, he loved that. They, eh? Yeah, they've had it shut down. Uh, this is my favorite time of year for hockey content, not because there's a ton of content. Obviously, when you get through the draft and sort of like that's finished and there's not as much going on there and, you know, free agency is kind of at a standstill now. There's still some big names out there. Uh, Mike Hoffman hasn't been signed yet. A couple other notable players. But that's kind of at a standstill probably until the beginning of the season because they're in this weird stalemate where the player wants more money and the market sort of set up itself. So there hasn't been a ton of news in that sense, which leads to preposterous topics from a number of websites online. And I just love seeing it. Uh, the first one that I'm going to bring up was uh, an Edmonton post that was suggesting that Tyson Barry could be a candidate for the Norris Trophy next season. What do you make of Barry's chances to be the top defenseman in the league? That could almost very well fall under our belief it or not segment. Uh, that is outrageous. And Barry, <laughs> it is outrageous. Simply put, simply put, um, firmly, firmly disagree with that. Tyson Barry can certainly augment the the Oilers back end, but Norris conversation, no. Yeah, we'll see. What site was that from? I don't know. It was some weird weird thing i saw on twitter bench warmers yeah exactly it was, like, <laughs> it was like a pro oiler site and it was just the clickbait article yeah and you have to uh, click it it's like i gotta click this what are they what are they yapping about i, I honestly i didn't click it but i did repost oh. the link on our twitter feed so okay uh, if you want to see the actual article just follow at leaf spot on twitter and you'll be able to find the original post but yeah it was just a preposterous statement and i think you saying uh augment is probably a good way to put it. I think they'll probably have a better year than he did in Toronto. As yes. we've noted before, he just never really got comfortable. And part of that was probably had to do with uh, old bike Mabcock, who was uh, at the helm and just didn't like Barry's sort of style of play. He never really got settled in. I uh, never really felt comfortable on the top power play unit. He played a little bit better when Keith came in, but I would expect him to have a much more productive year in Edmonton and to put up some serious points on that first power play unit playing alongside Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But he is so porous defensively to even put him in the conversation of being the best two-way defenseman in the league, which is basically what the award is because you need to probably put up about 60 points to even be in consideration for it. It's just preposterous. Man, you alluded to Bike Mapcock, your guy. We haven't heard Boy. from this guy in, I'd say, six, seven months. Like, has he just been quarantining in Barbados? Like, as he should, whatever. He, you know, he's got like 50 mil in the bank. But yeah, he's still um, just cashing a paycheck from MLSE. I keep waiting for like, oh, like, you know, Babcock making a return. Like, some team's got to scoop him up. You, you got to think so. Well, I believe he interviewed for the Washington job. Yeah. Or Peter Laviolette snipe, snapped that one up. So you feel like also for. For, I can't even get his name correct now because I've said Mike Babcock too many hey, times. Bike. For Babcock, at this point in his career, you feel like he would only come out of retirement if he was going to be going to a contender. Like, there's no reason for him to come out and say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go take the job in, I don't know, random, like, let's say Minnesota. Or right. I'm going to take the job at like one of these teams that doesn't necessarily have an established coach and there's going to be a total rebuild. I don't think he's interested in doing that. No. That's, why, that's very why fair. Should, why should he be? That's very fair. No, I mean, it's like, look, I already had to basically build this team from the bottom because, you know, as much as people rip on him and, and the, the heat that Babcock takes, 
he really pulled this team out of the gutter in yeah, they were four awful, seasons. They were an awful, awful franchise. Right. And, and no, does he want to do that again? No, definitely and, not. So that's fair. You, and also like that's an opportunity in Toronto, which is a little bit different, right? Like there's some prestige. And I think for a coach like Babcock, who is very driven by his own ego for better or for worse, the opportunity to maybe be the guy that was going to bring the Stanley cup back to Toronto and forever be cemented in lore by the fan base was too big of an opportunity for him to pass up regardless of the way that the team was looking and the way that they were ready to compete at that point in time. So doubt they would be willing to do that again and not surprised really that we haven't heard from him. He wasn't a big media guy to begin with. If you uh, he does like his, his uh, he loves his uh, sausage on a bun when he goes to Toronto FC games. Yeah. He loves the, it. Yeah. The kale Caesar salad, I think was another <laughs> favorite for him at the, Hey, uh, we should mention we, uh, we got a little poll going on um, regarding Augusta. You want to make and choose two current Leafs to play in a foursome with playing the full 18 at Augusta. You get to choose between Matthews and Anderson, Campbell, Marner, Riley, Muzzin, Hyman, Thornton. Surprisingly, Kenny, uh, it's tilting towards Hyman Thornton, maybe because that's, I guess that's know, who Thornton's I voted a, for. Thornton's a that's legend. who I voted for, to be honest. Did you? That's 36% right now. Matthews and Anderson coming in hot at second with 30%. Yeah, that's not that's not a surprising result to me. Obviously, Matthews and Anderson, very good friends. So you feel like that would be a, a good tandem to sort of listen in on. But the opportunity to play with Thornton, I just feel like he has so many stories. He's just such an energetic guy. And Toronto fans are going to get a really good glimpse of that this year since he's joining the franchise but it's just a guy of his pedigree i would just be so keen to spend a couple hours and just hear some stories and just get some insight into the astounding career he's had absolutely i voted for thornton and hyman as well i feel like riley muzzin would be a good pair to have too i heard muzzin's actually very strong off the tee and obviously riley's a character uh, according to a lot of the players in the dressing room i feel like he'd like to have a good time and get under your skin a little bit yeah, for sure. Any of those pairings would be great. Evan Jack Campbell, noted, noted, awesome dude. Who's Just a good guy. everybody? Everybody in the locker room loves him. Like I feel like I'd slice one off the tee, and Jack would just be like, "Ah, why don't you take a breakfast ball, buddy?" <laughs> I'd be take, like, oh, "Take you're this the, one. You're off. the best, Jack." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Further to the random clickbait uh, articles. There was another one that I saw posted by, I believe it was editor and leaf. And this guy's like a notably, um, let's say blue and white enthusiast. And some of his takes are, I think, questionable at times because he sort of goes way over the top. And it's, it's again, it's a clickbait thing, right? Because people are going to, it's going to get traffic to the site and it's going to agitate the other fan bases, which is what this is meant to do because I've had firsthand experience agitating fan bases talking about this particular player. But the article was suggesting that Austin Matthews is a better player right now in his career than Nate McKinnon. Oh man! And that's well, you tweeted that on our on our Twitter account, and that oh, just seemed yeah, to light people, a fire. People, yeah, people are not happy. And I think that's just you love to do happy. that, eh? I like that. Though. <laughs> you love to get people going. Oh man! Like yeah, people are not happy if you use the words Nate McKinnon or Sidney Crosby or any of the top players in the league in the same sentence with any Maple Leafs. And despite the fact that I like Austin Matthews is a better goal scorer than McKinnon, that's just cut and dry. He's got a better release. He's more talented in that aspect of the game. I think in time, as he grows into his frame and starts becoming more dominant in the two-way game, then we can start to have that conversation down the road. But obviously at this point, McKinnon is 
I think really second to none. He's the more the impactful best player. player. Yeah, he's the second best player in the league right now. And when you see this guy wheeling through center ice, sometimes he just flies by guys with the, like the defensemen are standing still. And to be uh, another way to put it as well, like the way that he's able to hold his ice, which I know used to be one of uh, Doug McLean's favorite expressions, holding his ice. Like when he parks it in front of the net, you can't move him. You see defensemen, like big defensemen coming in to hit him, and he's just knocking them over. No problem. He's just got tree trunks for legs, so strong on his skates, and just a dominant, dominant player. I mean, nothing against Austin Matthews. This guy is going to probably ascend to be a top five player in the league for many years to come, but not better than McKinnon at this point in his career. So, yes, I would say Matthews is the – better goal scorer but McKinnon is the more impactful player because there are nights there are there are nights where you just don't see Matthews you know and he's the the franchise player he's a star-studded guy but McKinnon I just feel like you know always when Nathan McKinnon's on the ice always yeah where I think you get patches of Matthews and that's going to grow over time and you're going to see more involvement from Matthews but right now McKinnon is definitely the more impactful player well, no he's doubt. also entering – so Matthews is entering the year now too where at year five was when McKinnon first popped off because before that he was kind Good of point. like a 55, like 60-point guy. Everyone's sort of like, ah, is this a bust? Is it not? And then it was like, oh, Nate the Great has arrived. Nate, Nate dog. Yeah, he made the jump from 53 points in 2016-17 to 97 points in 18, and he's been consistently over 90 ever since, just uh, so close to getting that 100-point plateau. I feel like he's going to get that this year if it is an 82-game season. This is the year that McKinnon will crack the century mark for sure. Uh, as far as the goals are concerned, though, like we were saying, Matthew's numbers just blow McKinnon's goal totals out of the yes. water. Like last year, McKinnon, 35, you know, the year 2018, he had done uh, 39. Matthews is, I think, going to consistently be hitting over 45 now. And likely, I think, again, if it's an 82 full game season, I think don't see there's any any way where he doesn't get over 50 this year. Well, and then people are inevitably going to say, you know, who has carried their team more? Well, obviously McKinnon, they've made deeper runs in the postseason. But really, the question comes down to who would you rather on your team? Yeah, if you were building a franchise, which player would you take at this point in their career? At this point. Yeah, I think that depends on, well, it depends on what you value, really. I I mean, for me, this answer is still McKinnon. I love Matthews, but it's going to be I'm the same, man. If, I, if I'm picking this him, is, yeah, we're on the same This is a Leafs this. pod. Yeah. <laughs> Hard Leaf fans. And yeah, we're both saying McKinnon. Well, the funny thing is, is, so we're alluding to this problem a while back. I posted something a while back, or somebody, the same guy posted that, like, as he just loves infuriating anybody. And he posted that William Nylander, to this point in his career, has been more productive than Nate McKinnon. And the way that he worded it was kind of insinuated that Nylander was a better player than McKinnon which made everybody pop off. And then so I got bogged down in the post, and I was just sort of saying, you know, to this point in his career, Nylander has been more productive because he has more points in less games played. So it's pretty cut and dry when you look at it like that. And the Habs fans and the Vegas Golden Knights fans and whoever else uh, were not very happy with me to be pointing out that Nylander had been more productive. I was like, I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm not saying he's going to be a better player than McKinnon. All I'm saying is that to this point in his career, his production has been better. Anyways, we, we that's digress. fair. That's fair. But I mean, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get people just come and 
right, left, and center on Twitter people in terms of the reaction. People get fired up. Uh, the, the last one I saw, and this wasn't really like clickbait, but it was just a conversation, and I thought it was an interesting one. Is Morgan Riley a top 20 defender in the NHL, in your opinion? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Hands down. But a lot of people were disagreeing. They had him outside the top 20. Yeah, they had him outside the top 20, and I don't think that's really fair to Riley, especially considering the defensive partners and the defensive structure that Toronto's had over the last little while. I think that this year with TJ Brody playing consistently, uh, obviously it's been noted he played the majority of his time in Calgary alongside a similar caliber defenseman, Mark Giordano. Now, obviously, Giordano has had a much more accomplished career. He won the Norris Trophy a couple of years back. We noted it a couple of pods ago. He's a much more better one-on-one defender than Riley, where I think Riley has a little bit more offensive upside than Giordano and obviously has about 10 years. Definitely. <laughs> 10 years of age on his side, but then you can go into the 10 years of experience for Giordano, and that's why he's so much better on the defensive side of the puck. I just think playing alongside Brody this year is going to elevate Riley's game. And almost certainly he's going to be in the top five of the Norris trophy voting again this season. Absolutely. I agree. I've been scratching and clawing because I want to get to the believe it or not. Do you want to go to the segment? I know this is your favorite. Well, we can bring back the award winning segment. Let's, let's go to it right now. Here is believe it or not. And the belief was, and the expectations were, they will step into elite company. They have no shot at winning 16 games in the spring. Well, I don't think you're lying. I just think you're misinformed. The answer is hell no. The will has to match the skill. And it wasn't there last night. It wasn't even close. Some people, I think it's become very political. Uh, I happen to believe in it. I'm on right now. I don't believe you. All right. All right, this B-Mac, has been. I know, I know you've been waiting for this. <laughs> well, typically week. it's you asking me, and yeah. I'm like, I've crafted some, and I want to hear you and okay, your reaction yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, let's fire it up. Now, the first, the first one has been swirling around the last week, and it's been pretty light in terms of hockey and and Leafs news. So here's the first one: Will Keith deploy the two-three system at some point this season? I mean, two forward, three D. Uh, well, what do you mean by the two-three system? Like, how often is he going to employ this? Can I see? Sheldon Keefe maybe dressing a seventh defenseman and then putting them on like the fourth line instead of dressing, you know, a fourth line winger. Certainly I could see that in certain situations, especially if you get into injury problems or whatever, but it's not something that's going to be employed on a regular basis because the Maple Leafs are just simply too talented up front that you need to have those wingers on the ice. And ultimately I'd prefer to have the puck in the possession of some of those hot, more highly skilled wingers and forward groups rather than, having Zach Bogosian on the blue line as the third defender who's going to be touching the puck a lot more. I think potentially in tight games, you could see this, but this is just trying to reinvent the game, I think, and try to get a little Mm -hmm. bit too fancy, overthink it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And no team, other team has really been ever using this system on a consistent basis. I think this is just uh, another sort of clickbait article or something that's really not going to come to fruition too often unless the Leafs have like a big lead or they run to injury problems where the personnel groupings just favor dressing seven defensemen rather than 12 forwards. This kind of made me think of 10 years ago when the Hawks won the cup in 2010 and they utilized the line of Taves, Kane, and Bufflin. Yeah. And at the time, Bufflin was a forward and then he switched to D. Perhaps they'll really drastically mix up the lines when 
you know, they hit desperate times and they throw something out like a Matthews, Marner, Simmons to add a little bit more grit, a little more sandpaper. I could see that. I see Simmons maybe rolling up and down the lineup, man. Big yeah. time. I just don't see the benefits really of dressing an extra defender on the right on a regular basis. And I think that when you have all these veteran guys up front, let it, let them do their thing. And then exactly and see what happens with your back ends. We liked the pairing of Muzzin and Hall for a large part of the season when they played together. They looked good when Muzzin was in the lineup. Hall not so good. And then we like the idea of Riley and Brody. It just remains to be seen what the third pairing is going to be, whether it's Sandine who's able to crack the lineup. Uh, whether it's Zach Bogosian, whether it's Timothy Lilligren, who could make a run in camp for it. I mean, there's a number of defensemen. Uh, Lettinen, I believe, is the defenseman, defensive prospect who's playing over for Joklit, is it right now? I'd have to yes, check out the so. team that he's playing, playing with over there, but he's been tearing up that league. It's going to be a real fight for those last two spots, and I think that benefits Toronto because they're going to have a little bit of competition in camp, and having depth at that position is never a bad thing in this league. Next question. Matthews shows up to camp clean shaving right now. Um, he's trying to get to 134 K for his November page, his fundraising page. Do you think he shows up 2016 Matthews? I think he's going to get over the amount of money and he's going to shave the mustache, but then I think the mustache is coming back. Going to make a return. Eh? He's going to yeah, fool everybody. Yeah. It doesn't take long to grow. I can grow this cookie duster, which is terrible podcasting because nobody can see the actual mustache that I have. But it's very Matthews esque. Yeah. Matthews kind of like Morgan Riley. Just uh, just a little dirt stash, but I, it takes me about two weeks to grow this thing. And so I assume that Matthews is probably on a similar pace. He's a little bit younger than me, so maybe it uh, might take a little bit longer, but I think the mustache is here to stay. So he's going to shave it off at the end of November, but then for training camp, I think it's going to be back. Say that, say that again, Kenny, you froze. Oh, did I freeze? Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be, he's going to shave it off for the end of November but then he's going to grow it back. And by the time training camp is going to come around, you're going to see him doing those press conferences with a little cookie duster. All righty. I like that, buddy. Okay, next. Dermot has a career year, earns a long-term deal, and a top-four spot. Well, I don't think it's very likely that he's going to earn a top-four spot necessarily. Um, I think that he's poised to have a good year. He, I didn't even mention him before as one of the guys that could be fighting for that third pairing spot, but he's going to be in the mix with Bogosian and Lettinen and all these other guys, Sandy and Lilligren, who is just a logjam right now at the back end, which I think is a good problem to have. Um, if he can manage to hold down his spot in the lineup, then he's he could be poised for a big year. And it's, likely it's going to be because of the lesser elevated role that he's going to be playing behind the likes of Morgan Riley and TJ Brody and behind the likes of Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall, who are going to be drawing a lot of the tough assignment. And I, you know, I'm also going on the foregone conclusion that Justin Hall is going to be Jake Muzzin's partner, just because that was the case this year. We could see a switch on that second pairing as well with all these new guys in camp. So no idea what Sheldon Keefe is going to do. I think if Dermot does have a big year, again, he might be one of those players that just is arbitrarily up and exposed for the expansion draft. Because when you look at the three defensemen that Toronto's likely going to have to protect, it's probably going to be Brody, Muzzin, and Riley. And then the other guys are going to be up. So there's a good chance that he could be getting shipped out of Toronto at this point, like in the upcoming season. So it's a big year for Travis Dermott, and he's going to have an opportunity, if not in Toronto, then somewhere else if he uh, can put string together a good season. 
head on yourself. Hopefully he's channeling that Fred Van Vliet mentality. He's going to get paid too. Freddie Van Vliet. He is going to get paid. He is going to get a lot of moolah. Uh, Looks like we're leaning towards an all-Canadian division with travel restrictions, border restrictions. Do the Leafs claim first spot? This division is kind of a disaster for all the Canadian teams. And I'll tell you why. I think we alluded to this on a past podcast. But the majority of the Canadian teams are very, very competitive right now. Outside of Ottawa, who's in an Vancouver's scary, man. Vancouver's like, scary. I mean, they lost a couple of players, but they lost them with got Holtby. to another Canadian team. Calgary Flames seem to have bolstered their lineup. I think that the Oilers, when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're capable of a lot. There's been a lot made to do about the Habs and what they were able to do with a well-rested Carey Price. They have a, a good bona fide backup in Jake Allen now behind him to take some of the starts away. So you can expect that he's going to be fresher and Bergevin obviously made a lot of off season moves. They're going to make them more difficult to play against. And then you have Toronto who is poised, I think for another big year, probably to build off of the success in the regular season that they've had over the last several years and probably take a step forward. I think that they're harder to beat now than they would have been in past years, certainly at least in a playoff series. So when you look at all these factors and the six teams that are really all expecting to be playoff teams i feel like that's bad news for the canadian teams because they're just going to be chewing each other up and spitting each other out early on the season hard-fought games against tough opposition and they could find themselves the majority of these teams in a worse spot in the division because they aren't getting any of the cupcake games they aren't getting the you know i don't want to trash any random teams here but you aren't going to be playing like the la kings or the san jose sharks or wild minnesota wild yep that's uh that's what i was going to say you know, New Jersey Devils. I know all these franchises are rebuilding, but you need a couple easy wins here every once in a while. And really outside of Ottawa, I don't think that that's going to be really possible for any of the Canadian teams. Another thing too, Kenny, is that they get out of that constant. It seemed to be a perennial one, two, three with Tampa, Boston and Toronto. This kind of mixes things up a little bit. I think Vancouver will definitely give the Leafs the most headaches because they match up um, in terms of skill and and, and on paper, they, they really match up well, those two teams. So I think Calgary and, and Van will, will definitely provide a uh, really big challenge for the Leafs. But I think they have an excellent chance of, of claiming first spot in the division. Well, excellent chance for sure. And I like let me make this clear. As a fan, I love the All-Canadian division. Because the one Absolutely. gripe is that we don't get to see these matchups enough. You know, you get two against Vancouver and you get two against Edmonton. You get two against Calgary. So the proposition that we're going to get I don't know how many time games we'll get maybe four or five games against each of these Canadian teams and see some of the players showcase that we don't get to see as much, particularly living on the East coast when they start puck drop is, you know, at 10 o'clock. It's like, I can't stay up till 1am on a weeknight all the time to watch, you know, the Canucks game. So from a, from a viewer's perspective, I think the all Canadian division is going to be great. I just think from a, a competition perspective, the difficulty might hurt a lot of the Canadian teams. And from a media perspective, it's sports media porn, man. Oh, yeah. We're, Eat that up all day. We are going to be locked in. <laughs> locked. Okay, my Dialed final question. In. My final question. Frederick Anderson contends for Vesna. Uh, I don't see it. And I don't see it not necessarily because I don't think that Anderson is capable of putting up that kind of a season. I just don't think that Toronto is structured to support that kind of a campaign. Oftentimes when you see goalies who win the Vesna, it's with a really strong defense in front of them. 
and a defensive system that's going to allow them to be successful in Toronto. Anderson is seeing the most rubber over the last two seasons. I believe the only goaltender who's seen more is Connor Heliabuck, who obviously was able to go on. I believe he won the Vesna this past season, but that was kind of an anomaly where he just had an unreal, unreal campaign. So I don't doubt that Anderson will could contend for one in his career, but I'm not willing to make him the front runner at this point in time, purely based off of the lack of defense that I've seen out of this Maple Leafs roster over the last several years. I think he's definitely in, in the top three. I, I really feel this is the final year of his contract. Anderson is going to have a career lights out year. I think he contends fully for the Vesna. Well, he's going he's gonna to need to if uh, he wants to, a new long-term deal in Toronto. But I think also a good start for that might be uh, getting out of the first round for a change. True, true. Yeah, the first round, you get a new contract. All right, let's move to our other favorite segment, the library bar. So I kind of cheated earlier and sort of gave up my library bar or one of my library bar choices. So I'll go first. Uh, Dustin Johnson, have yourself a time at the Masters tournament. I feel like this is the year of DJ. He's just looked so calm, so composed. Uh, he's been there before in major tournaments and he's just that sort of, I've been there before, not really going to get rattled. I think it's really going to serve him well in this tournament served him well to this point obviously started off with a hell of a round today or at least he's in the in the process of having a hell of a round an eagle two birdies just an unreal performance this guy if he wins the masters he's certainly going to be looking for the library bar equivalent in augusta georgia and i'm sure they can uh find himself a nice little cocktail in the clubhouse over there So I kind of cheated earlier and sort of gave up my library bar or one of my library bar choices. So I'll go first. Uh, Dustin Johnson, have yourself a time at the Masters tournament. I feel like this is the year of DJ. He's just looked so calm, so composed. Uh, he's been there before in major tournaments and he's just that sort of I've been there before, not really going to get rattled. I think it's really going to serve him well in this tournament. It served him well to this point. Obviously, he started off with a hell of a round today, or at least he's in the in the process of having a hell of a round. An eagle, two birdies, just an unreal performance. This guy, if he wins the Masters, he's certainly going to be looking for the library bar equivalents in Augusta, Georgia, and I'm sure they can uh, find himself a nice little cocktail in the clubhouse over there. So I have two. One is drinking because he's ecstatic, and the other is just down in the dumps. John Rom, he had that hole in one, that miraculous hole in one. It skipped off the pond like three times. I watched that, and I was like, "That was nuts." I was like, "What the hell did I just watch?" <laughs> that was insane, man. But he's yeah, definitely I'm... like, you know what? Like, I can just come in dead last. That's going to lead all Sports Center highlights, all Sports Network highlights. He's just like ride that. Ride that and drink away, John Rom. That was a crazy, crazy sequence. I, I could not believe what I saw. I actually have a second one as well, but I suspect that might be the same one as you, so I'll let, I'll let you fire it up here. Adam Gase, 
head coach of the Jets, just <laughs> just an abomination. What man. And you know what? It ties is. into you because your Pats came all the way back last week, right? Oh, they were they down ten right now. What a joke! Yeah, oh, and yeah, nine? They're awful. Like what a joke! Yeah, he's dead. Man he's definitely there. Sure. Just oof. no, he, he's having like, a yeah. few, and he's just yeah. They aren't going to. They aren't going to uh, be bringing him back. I don't think. Uh, the good news no. for the Jets, at least, is it seems that the tank bowl is going well for them. And they're going to end up with the first overall pick, which likely could bring Trevor Lawrence to New York. Uh, mm-hmm. If he does decide to enter the draft, I know there's been some speculation that he might try to avoid this year's NFL draft. If the jets are indeed picking for first overall, so that he hasn't ends up in a terrible situation. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that when you try to control that sort of stuff, oftentimes you end up in a worse situation than you would have been in to begin with. And, Ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback. If they get a quarterback of Trevor Lawrence's caliber, that's something that could set the franchise back on the trajectory that they were on several years ago when they were competing with New England in the division under uh, the with Rex Ryan at the helm. Who's your second one? Oh, I got Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, he's Bryce. just having a, yeah, he is just having a terrible time at Augusta. And you know, he was my so pick much to win it all. Yeah, there was so much chatter coming into this event that. You know, he's been lighting the tour on fire and it's the year of Bryson and he's just, you know, eating like four protein shakes and a pound of bacon every day because he's just this monster who just crushes it off the tee. And man, apparently like Augusta, like it's a bit was all the talk coming into this tournament that this was going to be if he was playing at that level that he was just going to run away with it and who's going to be able to compete with him. Now he's just a disaster. He's just hitting it, you know, 100 yards into the woods off the tee. That's just a disaster. If you can't control the tee shot, then you're not going to be successful at this golf course. So he's going, he's it's looking like he might not even make the cut. If he doesn't make the cut, then certainly he's going to be uh, peeling out of Augusta national, maybe not even drinking at the library bar. He might be drinking at the airport bar in Atlanta, Georgia. During that rain delay on the opening day of the masters, according to Bob weeks of TSN guys were having like three breakfasts. Like, do you imagine that? Just fueling their bodies up. Like, I, I'd be like, I think two breakfasts would be good for me. But three, it's well, like. It depends on how big the breakfast is. Like, Good my, Lord, my man. Breakfast is generally, like, I'll get the lumberjack breakfast. You know, the one. Like that three with, of those, though? Like, is that no, what they're eating? No, but that's why I get the regular one lumberjack, which is kind of the equivalent of, you know, two normal breakfasts. Okay. It comes with, you know, four eggs, the toast, the potatoes, usually like a bunch of different kinds of meat, the sausage, the bacon, like whatever. It's just like, they just load it up. Yeah. And like, that's good enough for me, but like, yeah, I'm not eating multiple ones of those. Maybe they just mean like, oh, you know, I'll have a yogurt and I'll have, you know, some oatmeal and then I'll get into my big bacon and eggs. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll have a nice smoothie generally uh, during the week. You're a smoothie guy. yeah, Yeah. Throw a banana, throw like a peach, some frozen fruits. Uh, Greek yogurt, yogurt, like some kombucha or orange juice. That's uh, that usually gets things moving for me. And then that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I that, love it. Gets, Start yeah, your day off right. Yeah, it's like it, man. It, it's you just drink it, and then you just feel like energized. Like 15 yeah. minutes later, like I'm just like, all right, like I'm I'm light. I'm on my you're, feet. I'm you're light, locked I'm in to go. Yeah, and then I then I'll, like a little bit later on, I'll um, usually eat, like a sweet potato. I make like a potato and sweet potato hash, and I'll just throw a couple eggs on top of that. Then uh, Kenny is ready to start up the day. Start the day, get to the Fire brewery. It up. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. Like I texted Kenny before we we recorded this pod, and I'm like, I'm locked, and he's just like, what? I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I'm surprised you didn't know what I'm locked referred to. No, I didn't know what you were talking about. I thought you were <laughs> locked out of the Zoom call. 
I was like, dude, I sent that to you like 10 minutes ago. Like, where are you? I'm locked. You doing? I was like, I'm I was locked like, in I'm my elevator. I was like, yeah. I've been sitting here ready to go. And they, they are just like, yo, come on. Like, can we fire this up? I was like, dude, I sent you the invitation. <laughs> 10 minutes slow ago. start i'm on masters i'm on masters time yeah, maybe, right now. maybe maybe you should have had a smoothie this morning you're, you're, Jeez. you're a, little, a little sludge going through just a little just a little right lavaza now. little lavaza coffee yeah, great, it's like, great it's coffee like, it's like molasses like your mind is working like molasses this morning <laughs> I like oh the, man I, I do like the lavaza coffee i got the, it's phenomenal one, i get the one in the red bag i don't know what it's called it's uh, like the rosa okay lavaza yeah. rosa yeah Nice. Yeah, that's good. It's got like it's a, a nice, nice break like, from like feel. it's a nice break from the typical spots like McDonald's or Timmy's. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I just got the French press. I just fired up at my house because I cannot justify spending that sort of money uh, on a consistent basis. Although there is a nice coffee shop across the across the street from the brewery, which I have nice. been frequenting. A little double espresso, like in the afternoon Ooh. when uh. Yeah, when like the relief comes in at like four yeah. o'clock and you, you know, I've got four hours left and you just got to sort of gut it out. And I still pick me up. Yeah, a little double espresso uh, at that point in time can uh, put you over the top. Man, I'm I'm the biggest like coffee connoisseur there is. Like I'm I'm picky uh, and I, I don't understand why people don't drink it. My roommate Spencer Standish does not drink a drop. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's to, it's essential. It's essential, man. Morning. It's a food group. All right, buddy. You got anything else going on for the weekend, or uh, you got? I'm a just big gonna day NFL NFL day, Masters day tomorrow. I'm just gonna walk a few steps to my coach and continue watching golf. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's a the rad, way to do it, man. That's a good plan. I'll be uh, keeping track of the updates on my phone from Radical Road. So. Nice. Tomorrow will be nuts, though. NFL Sunday and the final round of the Masters. So yeah, I've got the day Give off it to tomorrow. Me. I'm just gonna fire up a couple sirloins on the uh, on the charcoal grill. Wow. Yeah, I got my yeah, I'm ready to go. Got my I already got them picked up from this. There's a little butcher shop in the East End meeting. They just give these huge cuts of sirloins. The thing's like an inch and a half thick. It's like you guys got anything smaller than that? He's like, No, we cut our steaks super thick here. I was like, All right. All right, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, like forty Debit, bucks, please. Forty bucks for two steaks, but we wow. are going to be eating like kings. I will join you for one of those uh for one of those steak nights. Yeah. We'll get into it. Oh man, it's the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait till after we get out of this lockdown situation. So getting true, it's getting pretty Forgot eerie in the GTA. Yeah, like John Tory is saying that we should not go anywhere. So looks like we're gonna be recording this via Zoom for the next little while, big guy. I like it, man. I like it. Inject it. Inject it in my veins. All right, Broski. Uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 16 mid the mitch marnie edition of not another leaves podcast follow us on twitter at b mccarthy 95 at ken stapon at hockey pod net at leaf spot and we'll catch you next time